everyone. Welcome to another episode of Orange Juice Optional. I am sitting here in a fairly empty house and excited about the progress I'm making and very excited to say good morning to you, Suzanne. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you, Michelle? I'm good. Hanging in there and yeah, just loving life right now. (laughs) Oh, good. Because your move is about complete. It is about complete. Yeah, but I'll have to share with you and everybody else some of the the missteps I've taken in the past week that are not typical Michelle things to do. Oh, well, let's get started. Fill us in. Well, can we do something fun before that? Like, tell me about what's going on with you. Are you in a good mood today? Are you crabby? Um, Like, what's your mood? I would say I'm not crabby. I would say my stress level is probably a seven or an eight today, mainly doing with having to do with my store and just keeping up. I was out of town for the weekend. I went to Minneapolis for um, a cousin's wedding. So it was very, and had a great time. But you know, when you're out of town for a few days, it just takes that much more time to regroup, get back in the swing of things, get caught up. And so, yeah, feeling a little stressed, but still in a good mood. Yeah, well, that's good. And I want to throw a huge shout out there to not only you, but your whole Why Hello team, because on Facebook, I saw that one of your clever ideas has been (laughs) nominated in a contest. Yes. um, So do you want to share? Well, this is a great candle company that we partner with, and it's a very popular candle in my store, and it's a neighborhood candle. And They have expanded their business as I have expanded my business. Um, I think they were relatively new when I opened my store, obviously, like I was. And so we've kind of grown up together. And now they have expanded their products. So they have fall lines, they have Christmas lines, winter lines that they do in addition to their neighborhood candle. Well, they started a contest to help them come up with clever names for their fall line of candles. And so we submitted our pick, which was Why Hello Gorgeous, G-O-U-R-D-E-O-U-S, Gorgeous. And last time I checked, we were still winning the contest, but one of the other candles was gaining on us, so... And all what was have, the other slogan on the candle? There was a Cornhusker one from Nebraska. That was the one that was in closest competition with us. There was a falling. Oh, yeah. All the football fans. Yep. And there was a falling in love one that was doing pretty well. But hopefully, regardless, I will have the candle in my store probably starting, you know, in the next week or two through fall. Very fun. Very, very fun. Win or lose, it's still fun. Okay. So Rob and I were out to dinner the other day when I saw you post that. And our dinner conversation was coming up with a winter slogan for you to submit. Oh, do you have one for us? I do have one, but I'm going to have to get through the muck or the not so great ideas to get to the good one because mind you, these are Rob's ideas. And so, of course. <laughs> you know what he did to my book because my book was one of rhymes. So 
he would create a rhyme, but it wouldn't be exactly children appropriate. <laughs> so just keep that in mind as I share a couple of his okay. ideas before I get to the one that is the winner. Can't. Okay. Yeah. Well, in our mind, it's a, okay. It's a winner. Okay. The first one I actually came up with, and it's like probably everybody's thought of it naughty or spice. That's a good one. Yeah. Kind of plain, kind of ordinary, though. How about, I can't even believe I'm going to say this, the, tw- the 12 inches of Christmas. <laughs> yeah, not appropriate for my store. <laughs> okay. Well, how about this one? And I'm sorry. Okay. Before I even say it. Santa, is that a candle in your pocket? Or are you happy to see me? <laughs> Like, where does this man come up with this stuff? Yeah, that is so stupid. (laughs) He needs his own store. I know. He thinks he needs his own podcast, his own store. And there's no stopping this man. He's so funny. Okay. But do you want to hear the winner? Like the one that he came up with and he was so proud of? Yes, I do. It's Slay It Ain't Snow Rudolph. I love it. The take on Say It Ain't So. Yep. I'm going to have to write that one down and submit that for my winter category. Yeah. You could even change Rudolph to Slay It Ain't Snow, Arizona or Scottsdale or something like that. Yeah. Good idea. We had a lot of fun with it. And I think I correctly voted for you to win the contest, but I don't know. I don't know if I did it right. I hope you did. You had to go to their Instagram page to vote for my candle. So if you didn't go to their Instagram page, see, and it's very clever on their part because they're getting all of these people to follow them. So you can go to their Instagram page and vote for my candle. And if you haven't done that, I need every vote I can get. And I'm sure by the time this episode airs, the contest will be over. But please tell all of your your friends that are on Instagram to follow that candle company and then like my candle because I I like I said the lead is closing <laughs> and I want to win. I'm so competitive. I want to win. And your idea is by far the best, even though the other ones were pretty good. Yes. But I will sadly say that I went to their Facebook page, so I probably have not done it correctly. So I will go to their Instagram page. As soon as this is over, I will follow them and I will like your candle. Okay. Yeah, please do. It's very, very important. (laughs) I need your vote and I need everyone you know's vote. I need every vote I can get because I want to win this contest. Okay. I'm going to do that when this is over. But, you know, back to that dinner, I was at the restaurant. We finished dinner, our great conversation about a new candle, (laughs) and they brought the check. I put my credit card down. They took it, ran it, brought it back, placed it on the table, and I left without signing out. I not only left without signing out, but I left my credit card there, and I have never done that in all of my life, walked out on a tab. Oh, (laughs) but I didn't really walk out on it because they did run my credit card. They did have my credit card. And I just felt really stupid when I had to call them and say, Hey, did I leave my credit card? And they're like, yes, not only did you leave your credit card, but you didn't sign out. And yeah, when I got there to pick up my card, um, they got a very good tip. (laughs) I always tip well, but I tipped even better. Oh, well, (laughs) so, so it came out good in the end. 
yeah, it came out good in the end, but how embarrassing. Like my mind is just so scattered right now that I can't even remember to sign out at a restaurant. Well, that happens. It happens to all of us. Okay. Well, does this happen to all of us? Because this is another thing that I did. And this one is really bad. I had a lunch scheduled with one of my friends and I was so looking forward to it. So it was scheduled on a Tuesday at 1130. And on Monday, I was thinking about it. Monday night, I was thinking about it. Tuesday morning, my day got away from me. We had some furniture that was being picked up. I had to take Rob to get a COVID test. There was a lot of things on my plate. I stood my friend up and did (gasps) not show up for lunch. Oh, no. I hate that. I have never in my life done that. And this is such a nice lady. And she was so gracious about it. I just feel horrible. Well, did you just reschedule your lunch? Well, (laughs) yeah. When I finally could get in touch with her because lunch was at 1130 and I realized my mistake at 1138. So she'd been sitting there for at least 10 minutes waiting for me. Oh, And then, yeah, I got a hold of her and she was so gracious. She couldn't have been kinder, but I still feel like a shithead. (laughs) And I think I need to send her one of your candles. Oh, I think you do. I think you should do that. I have one of your award winning candles. Yes. I was going to say, I just ordered one that has the definition of friend on the label. That one might be a good one for you to send. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But I've never done that. And here I've done these two things back to back just because my mind is so scattered on the next thing that has to happen. Yep. There's too much on your plate, but you're, you're seeing the end in sight. I know you are. I know it's coming up. The day this podcast is released is the day that I fly out of Anchorage. Yeah, I'm stressed about that day too, because that's going to be a day from hell. But once I get on the other side of that, it'll be better. Yep. Life gets back to normal. Yeah. Because I'm flying out of here with a dog. I've never... (gasps) Oh, yeah. With my dog before. And then, you know, it's like a nine hour flight, which I feel really bad about, but it's necessary to get her back to training. And then we, when we land, we have to drive for five hours to get to where... I'm dropping her off. Oh, my goodness. Yes. And it's an overnight flight. Oh, <laughs> it sucks. Yeah. Yeah. It suck. That's a shame. I have to, you know, have a schedule and I had to schedule everything in one day instead of break it into two days just because I'm like that because I can't waste time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, but then it'll be back to normal. Well, Yes. Almost. Then I'm going to Denver for two days and then I'm going to Vegas for two days and then I'm going to have a suit and I'm going to lock myself in my house and not talk to anybody for a week. I hate to be nosy, but why are you going to Vegas and why did you not invite me? Well, you can come still. Oh, when are you going? (laughs) I mean, okay, we don't need to get into the details, but I might (laughs) want to come. Yeah, no, my sister is kind enough to go on this road trip with me so I don't have to do it by myself and to help with the driving and the dog. And so she's going to South Dakota, then we're going to Denver, and then we're going to Vegas. And she's like, could we hang out in Vegas for a day? I said, Mm -hmm. why not two nights? So we're going there for two nights. Oh, very fun. Very fun. And you know what else is on your calendar after you lock yourself in your house for a couple days? You know what? I said a week. A week. Okay. But, you know, I won't do that. (laughs) Well, we are having, my store is having an anniversary event on the 9th. And you have said that you would love to come and sign your children's book. 
at my anniversary event. So I hope you still have that on your calendar. It is definitely on my calendar. Like I am building my calendar around that because that is so gracious and kind of you and your store to allow me to do that. I know. It's so exciting. And I'm glad that you're coming because it's just going to make it more of a celebratory mood to have you there signing your book. Yeah. And had I um, been on top of my game, I would have had you order Goodnight Sweet Bear candles. (gasps) that I would have given away with them, but there's probably not time to do that now. I might still have time. I'll call him today because that's a great idea. Yeah, I would love to like make the little animals at some point too, but I probably need to sell a few more copies (laughs) to do that. (laughs) Yes, but that's a great idea. I'm going to get on that today. Yeah, let me know. My expense, of course, that wouldn't be something I would say, Suzanne, that's my expense. But yeah, if you could get me a price, I would definitely do it. Okay, I'm going to call today. That's exciting. Yeah. And I'm thinking like a smell of hot chocolate or the smell of peppermint or something like that would be a lot of fun. That would be fun. I'll have to see what they have available. Maybe we can get one of their holiday scents. Yeah. That they only release during the holidays, which would be like a peppermint or a hot chocolate. I would love that. Or something toffee related because kids always have sticky fingers. Something warm and, you know... Brings you back to childhood. Yeah, to childhood. Oh, and on the topic of the book, just real quick, I had someone reach out wanting to make an audio book of it. Oh, nice. I love that. I don't know what they do. Do they just like scan Amazon for new children's book and pick them that way? I don't know, but hey, could be a thing. It could be. I love it. You better get busy on that second book. I know, I know. Once I get to have a Sue, maybe when I'm in seclusion for a week, I could work on it. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So at the house right now, there was really nowhere to decompress because I have two bar stools and a bed. That's all. Nowhere <laughs> to go sit on a couch and be comfy or anything like that. And so, yeah, I'm just ready to shut it down. It's time. It's more yeah. than time. It's beyond time. And I know it's only been a week, but I'm also ready to escape football. Oh. Because that tends to run our schedule. Right. But yikes, it's going to be a long season if you're already ready to escape football. I know. I know. I become a football widow with all the, you know, what are they called? Football. What's it called? Um. I don't fantasy know. football oh, things, fantasy, fantasy football things, say, and all these <laughs> these other football things that he's into, where he has meetings with his partners, and they have like weekly conversations scheduled. And I'm like, wow, you sound really happy when you talk to them. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Yeah, he loves football. I don't mind it either. No, I know. I tend to get off on these tangents about travel. And I've become very opinionated, especially about flying and all of the new protocols and all of the issues with wearing masks. And then there's, you know, the rage of passengers. And, you know, my theory is passengers are much more intolerant of flying because of all of these stupid rules that we have to follow to fly. And when I was getting on the plane to go to Minneapolis, 
there was a very defensive flight attendant in church. And I happened to be like in the second row. And so I could hear her greeting every single passenger. And it got to the point where she was correcting every single passenger on how how they should be wearing their mask. And a couple of them balked at her, you know, kind of like, wait just a minute. So she would say, "Uh, sir, that mask has to be up around your nose and cover your mouth. And he would say, it is covering my nose. And she would say, well, sir, no, it actually isn't. You need to get it. And it was every single passenger she was doing this to. And then one guy came on with a bandana and she said, sir, you're going to have to double up that bandana or you're going to have to wear a real mask. And he said, no one's ever called me that out on that before. And then she's like, well, sir, I'm calling you, you know, kind of picking a fight with every passenger. And I thought, okay, well, this is kind of setting the tone of this flight because pretty soon someone's going to come on and he's going to punch her lights out because she's calling him out on it. And then, and sure enough, one guy got on and she, he didn't punch her lights out, but they went back and forth and back and forth. And she finally said, sir, we're going to have to ask you to leave the aircraft. You'll have to be rebooked on another flight. And she kicked him off. And I thought to myself, as I was watching this, she was being really picky. And she was, I thought she was out of line. And all it did was really piss the passenger off. Because then he had to get off. And I'm sure that the agent at the gate was like, oh, crap, here we go. And I'm sure he gave her a piece of his mind because he, by that time, he was enraged. And I thought to myself, had that been me? I would have been enraged too. I would have really had a hard time keeping my patience, especially since I had witnessed her basically doing this to every single passenger getting on the plane. Right. And you knew it was a ticking time bomb that it was coming. There was going to be that one passenger that was going to fight back. Right. And it's kind of like she was waiting for that one passenger. Like she was trying to find something wrong with how every single passenger was wearing their mask. And then when this guy came on with the bandana, she was like, score, I've got it. (laughs) This is the one I'm kicking him off. And she wasn't going to let up on him. And he started out a little on edge, but no more on edge than several of the other passengers she had called out. So she really escalated that argument to the point where he was enraged. And so then I thought, okay, but now there's going to be a story on the news about how he was kicked off the flight because he was angry when in fact it was the flight attendant's fault. It's kind of like when I had, when my boys were little and my younger son always picked on my older son to the point where my older son would get mad and then I'd yell at my older son and my younger son would be getting away with whatever he did to drive my older son to get angry because I was kind of like the greasy wheel gets the attention type thing where he was the one getting... I know what you're talking about. Yeah. And that's exactly what happened in this case. She was the one causing the problem. He's the one that got in trouble. And all of the attention would be on him, but she was really the one that was instigating it. 
Yeah. So what did you do about it? Did you um, I was write a complaint? <laughs> no. Hell no. Like a complaint to the airport or the airline or something? No, I didn't do I stayed out of it. It's like, I'm not going to get involved with that, you know. So did you think she was being a Karen? I did. I thought she is being a Karen. She is creating issues that really don't exist. And I think if she had handled that guy differently, he probably would have gladly put on a different mask. Like I said, he was a little bit on edge, but she really pushed his buttons to get him angry and kick him off. And I thought that was uncalled for and it was unnecessary. And now, and what's going to happen is there's going to be this um, path of anger that follows him because then he's going to have to go deal with a ticket agent. She's going to have to rebook him. He's going to be pissed and nothing good's going to come out of it. You know, so I had a real problem with that, but it's like, oh no, I wouldn't get involved. However, (laughs) I have one more story. So then on my flight back to Phoenix, there was a woman sitting behind me and she had a dog in a carry-on. The carry-on did not fit under the seat. And so she was insisting that she needed a seat where the dog would fit under the seat. And so the flight attendant, you know, was kind of talking her off her cliff because she was she was being a Karen. She was like so overreacting. And she was demanding that someone trade places with her. And the flight attendant was very patiently saying, you know, our policy here at this airline is we don't ask customers to change seats. If they offer, it's very gracious of them, but we will not ask a passenger, displace another passenger to accommodate you. Oh, and this woman went ballistic. And she was on the verge of crying. And they said, ma'am, we can re, you know, we can rebook you on another flight. And she said, I've already been rebooked on this flight. And so then the woman sitting next to me turned around and said, you know what? I'll trade places with her. So guess who was sitting next to me on the plane? Miss Krabby Pants with the dog. And I thought to myself, Nobody asked me if it was okay if I'm sitting next to a woman with a dog under the seat. You know, everyone just assumed, oh, she's fine with it. What if I had had an allergy to dogs? And this woman sat next to me with her dog and I knew what was going to happen. Of course, we get to cruising altitude and guess what comes out of the carry-on? The little dog. And so then the dog's sitting on her lap and I'm thinking, okay, so I'm at a window seat. This woman is holding her dog. And what if I had an allergy to dogs? No, that's a real, that's a real thing because there have been several times I've gotten on a plane and there's been a cat around me and I'm horribly allergic to cats. And I'm just thankful it's like behind me or in front of me because had it been next to me, there's no way I could do it. I would be the person asking to move, no fault of my own, just because I I do have an allergy. Right. And so then during the flight, this flight attendant came up to this woman, was very apologetic, saying, we understand the dilemma you had, you know, let's write up a incident report for you so we can file it as soon as you get off the plane. Um, you know, very accommodating to her. Now, one person, first of all, thanked the woman who offered to switch places with her And no one asked me if it was okay if this woman with her dog, this obnoxious 
very, again, squeaky wheel gets the attention. And I, I was just like, okay, this just irritates me. And we wonder why passengers who are flying are creating scenes and becoming enraged. It's because it's gotten so out of control. And that was the other thing, this airline. So they had a video now of all of the rules <laughs> when you fly. And it went on for like 12 minutes. You can't do this and you can't do that. You can't do this. And you, federal regulations say this. And, federal, and it's like, okay, this is getting ridiculous how much you can't do on a flight anymore. Yeah, that is ridiculous. And they probably, if you weren't paying attention, they probably told you to take your headphones out and to direct your attention and... Yeah, just stupid. So anyway, so so it was a little stressful. Yeah, no, that is stressful. And I've had experiences. Well, there's two things that I want to say. First of all, one time Rob and I were flying and maybe I've shared this before and there was a dog in the seat behind me. We were in first class and the dog was under my seat. Well, I went to recline my seat and this lady freaked out saying that was her dog space. And Rob's like, we bought these first class tickets. My wife can lean the chair back if she wants to. Right. And I was just like, no, that's okay. <laughs> I'll pull my chair up and I don't need to lean it back. Because a lot of times I don't recline anyway because I'm trying to be aware of the people around me. But we'd been flying all night. It was a long evening. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to, but anyhow, Rob was enraged and he was the person that as soon as we got off the flight did call the airline. And I think we got a voucher from them for the situation. Was that post-COVID or pre-COVID? That was pre-COVID. And then the other thing I want to say is when the flight attendant said, we don't displace passengers, you know, without them volunteering, that is not true because on a flight just before COVID, I had a seat in the aisle because I get claustrophobic and they move me to a window in the same row. And it might've even been a middle seat. I can't remember for sure, but they displaced me to put one of their pilots in that aisle seat. Oh. Yeah. They didn't ask me. I, again, don't like to throw out my status, but I am not a million miler, but I am that next level right below 75K. I flew a lot before COVID and yeah, they didn't even ask me and they took my seat away and gave it to their pilot. Well, right. And that reminds me of the other story. So at the Minneapolis airport, these two gates were very close together and they were boarding at the same time. Well, the other gate, which was going to Dallas, they had to change aircrafts for whatever reason. And the gate agent comes on and says, we apologize for any inconvenience, but if you were flying comfort class with us on the original flight, you have been downgraded because the, we do not have enough um, comfort class seats on this new aircraft. And there were like 10 passengers that were downgraded from their comfort class seats. And maybe they did reimburse them the difference in the cost of their ticket. I don't know. But I just thought, okay, do you know how pissed I would have been if I had paid for a comfort class seat or a first class seat? And then I was told because they changed aircrafts, they were going to downgrade me. And you're not given an option. They just say you're being downgraded. Right. And at that point, they're saying, well, we only really agreed to 
get you from one point to the other. And you're probably grateful really to get from one point to the other that maybe you don't cause a scene, but yeah, I sure would be in contact with them afterwards saying, I want the difference in fare back at least. Absolutely. But again, all of these incidents point to my theory that the reason we have travelers that are creating problems on aircraft is because the airlines are not treating their passengers well enough. They are creating an atmosphere that causes discomfort. And when you're uncomfortable, you get angry. Right. And a lot of people also are fearful of flying. And so you have that fear in there too. They're angry about the way they're being treated. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it just doesn't make for a good recipe for success. Right. And not to mention the whole mask thing, which I agree with. I don't have any problem wearing my mask. I think it's a good idea, whatever it's going to take to get over this stupid COVID, I'll wear the mask. But that in and of itself, especially when the temperatures are hot, like in Phoenix, when it was 106 degrees when I left Phoenix, and you're wearing this mask for basically eight hours because you're in the airport, you're on the flight, you get to the arriving airport, you have to get your rental car, you have this stupid mask on your face, and it's uncomfortable. And it's like, of course, people are going to be crabby. Yeah, especially if they forget their mask spray. Did you at least have your mask spray so it didn't start stinking? Yes, which I think is brilliant on my part. I do too. And I'm going to have mine with me when I fly next week to get out of this place, which I will just say the snow is creeping down the mountain. Like when you look outside, it is not termination dust anymore. It is like snow coming down the mountain and I've got to get the heck out of here. Yes, you do before it snows. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be an early winter this year. Yes, it is. And yeah, I'm not a fan of that. I'm over winners. (laughs) I know we did our time. (laughs) A lot of time, a lot of times. So we were going to talk today, I think a little bit about stress, stress management, how stress affects us, how we try to deal with it. And I think we've given pretty good examples of what stress can do. (laughs) Like it can cause you to forget things and it can just raise your blood pressure. And do you have a go-to technique when you find yourself getting stressed or overwhelmed that you can quickly use to calm you down? Well, (laughs) and it sounds so stupid, but especially if I'm really stressed and it depends on what's causing the stress, but if I'm in a stressed mood and sometimes I just have to say to myself, this is just dumb luck. This is just dumb luck. And I have to be able to remove myself from the situation mentally and just remind myself that, you know, just bad luck today. And you find that works, that you can mentally, once you say that to yourself, you can mentally separate from what's going on around you and just let it take place? Yes. But again, I have to clarify that it depends on the type of stress I'm dealing with. But you give me an example. What do you do? Well, I've been thinking about that, and I really try to a few minutes to breathe deep. (laughs) I know when I find myself getting stressed out, I start that mental process also. Just breathe. Mm -hmm. Just breathe. And then I think of what my grandma 
used to always say, and my dad says it all the time, and I love this, that this too shall pass. Yep. I remind myself of that. And currently, I'm just reminding myself that this is a season and that will take me down that first notch. It doesn't completely decompress me, but it'll allow me to breathe. So just breathe and this too shall pass. And it's just a season. Those are the three things that will take that immediate like um, anxiousness out of something. It'll give me a time to get my mind off it for a second. Which is good. But it's a, you said it takes you down a notch. But what it does it take to get you to that at peace with it level? You know, it's kind of hard to, to even talk about. Um, I have an anxiety disorder mm-hmm. and it is one that has been managed pretty well recently. Like before COVID, I was so busy. I was anxious all the time. During COVID, things slowed down so much that I could gain a kind of different perspective. And I had no panic attacks. That that anxiety that I felt while it was still there, it didn't get to where it used to be. And now it's back up there. So the mindful, um, you know, in that moment, saying those things to me, that's the first step. The second step is if I can walk away, I will walk away and try to do something like count my breaths, take really deep breaths, you know, counting so many seconds in, so many seconds out, just trying to relax or come to terms with the facts or hear what I'm saying to myself, hear that this too shall pass, hear that I just need to breathe. And then there are mindful exercises you can do where if you have the time, I just like to check in with the moment. I will stand still and I will think of five things that I can see, four things that I can hear, three things that I can touch, two things that I can smell, and one thing I can taste. And just, you know, give me that time to completely just work through it. I'm okay. Yep. Disengage. Yeah. To disengage and just bring myself down further. And then if I'm all alone and I have time to, I'll go meditate. Well, that's good. I love that. I think that um, the five, using your five senses would work really well for me too, because it would pull me out of the moment that's causing the stress and kind of redirect my brain (laughs) into thinking. And I do, I use one of those. I've never consciously used all five of them, but I usually close my eyes. If I'm having a moment, I close my eyes because that pulls me out of what's going on around me. And a lot of times when I close my eyes like that, I will listen for sounds. And I always have found this fascinating that when you really listen to sounds, you don't just hear one level of sound. You can usually hear several different sounds all at the same time. And I find that incredibly fascinating that you can do that, but that will pull me out of a stressful moment. Yes. And I love that technique. If I am alone or just my family or my husband is around, I might try to dance it out (laughs) to put on a song and like blare that music and just kind of have a little dance party or even take a walk, take a walk and look around me if I can, like if it's available to do so. Right. Well, that was going to be a second type of stress and how exercise works with that general stress that isn't just a moment of time. It's a generalized 
this is a very stressful week for me. I have too much going on. I, you know, I worry about my business. I worry about my kids. And, and you just feel that inner angst. And the best, best, best way for me is if I take a walk. It's like, for whatever reason, it clears my brain. It makes me feel better. And it, I usually am able to at least release some of the angst that gets me all pent up and wound up and on edge about everything. It's really hard to do here, though, in the summer because it's so stinking hot. I don't walk at all in the summer. And it has to be an outside walk, not a, a treadmill walk or an indoor walk. I love the fresh air. Right. And just Mother Nature being out there among the elements. And I really like when I'm walking just to think about how they all come into play together, how wind and earth and, you know, the sun and water, how they all create this environment for us to learn in. And it really does help. It does. It's amazing how it helps. Yeah. And, you know, if all else fails and it's close enough to that time of the day. (laughs) I know where this is going. I wasn't going to say drink. Oh, what were you? Gonna Is that where you thought I was going? Yes, I didn't absolutely. even think about drink. Oh. But yes, that would work too. <laughs> yes. Now I'm would. thinking about it. Yes, that would work too. I was going to say that if it's close enough, I'll just go to bed and know that when I wake up in the morning, it's a new day. I totally reset everything. And yeah, I usually have to take an Ambien or melatonin or something to help me sleep. But once I wake up, I do always feel better the next morning. Yeah, see, and that's interesting. That's probably the last thing I I do because I hate going to bed with things on my mind because then I just toss and turn. And I have a really hard time shutting down my brain at bedtime anyway. So if I'm stressed about things, I will toss and turn. I will turn on a good television show to get my mind off of things. I will, you know, I could watch a movie. I could play, you know, solitaire on my iPad just to get rid of some of that pent up energy and reading a book before I go to bed. Although I don't, I don't know how I've gotten out of the habit of doing that, but reading even for 15 minutes before I go to sleep will clear my head enough to help me sleep. Yeah, that is a good way to decompress also. And I will sometimes watch TV at bed, but it has to be mindless TV or something that I can just turn off. Yes, absolutely. I was uh, last week and I laugh at myself because I do this every year during 9-11, you know, the anniversary of 9-11, the whole, the two weeks before the 9-11 anniversary, you can always find one of the documentaries about 9-11 and I watch them every year. And every year I sit down and I just sob my way through these documentaries because they are just so heartbreaking. And I saw a couple this year, probably because it's the 20th anniversary that I had not seen before. And these compelling documentaries, but after watching them, I'm so emotionally drained that I do. I literally have to go find like friends on TV or I have to watch Mary, an old episode of Mary Tyler Moore or whatever I can find that is mindless and happy (laughs) just to get me out of that emotionally draining mental state that those documentaries put me in. 
I, I get that. I used to watch um, true crime <laughs> right oh. before bed and I can't do that anymore because yeah, it's too um, upsetting and gets to me too bad these days. I know. So I want to circle back and go to having a drink, man, like where <laughs> I didn't even think about that, but yeah, I have poured a drink to decompress before to deal with my stress. And, you know, I'm trying to decide it's a very rare day that I pour a drink to deal with my stress because I pour myself a drink every day. I have a drink every single night. It's wine. I mean, I would drink Chardonnay. It's not like I'm hitting a bottle of vodka. Not that it makes any difference, but I have my standard glass or two of wine every single night. And it does always help me decompress. But it's one of those things where I don't start earlier in the day if I'm having a really bad day. I don't reach for my bottle of wine because I feel like I need it to decompress, even though it helps me decompress. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, I do see what you're saying. And I'm just putting it out there. When I finally get that glass of wine, I'm like, I needed this so bad today. Like, so kind of like that. Uh, Yeah. It's like, yeah, this helps. Yeah, this helps. And I I will always, because we go out to eat a lot right now, I will always say to the person, look at how happy you made me just by putting this glass right in front of me. (laughs) Yeah, that's so good. Yeah. And to deal with stress, sometimes I eat junk food too, but that's not very healthy. No, it's not. Just like drinking isn't very healthy, but we do it. But we only have one or two usually. Right. Yeah. So anything else you do to help alleviate stress either in the moment or like the general just life is stressful right now? Well, there is one other technique I use that is new and we've already talked about it on our podcast, but I love, love, love this new thing that I do. And if I can remember to do it, it works every time. And it's my my resolve to spark joy in someone because sparking joy ever since we did that podcast is my new thing. It's like, if I, if it sparks joy for me, it makes me happy. It turns my mood around. And so what I do is I try to spark joy for other people, like commenting on their outfit, like telling them how nice they look today, like telling them, I appreciate the smile they gave me. Anything that makes them feel good about themselves. And it's amazing how quickly you can forget your own stress when you turn, try to turn someone else's day around just by giving them a nice comment, just by making them feel better. I absolutely love that. And that that's a way you deal with stress. Now, I'm going to go back to a conversation earlier in this podcast when you're sitting next to this lady with the dog. So to help, you know, with your frustration of that, did you look at the lady and say, you have a really cute dog? Hell no. (laughs) (laughs) I knew that was going to be the answer, but I just had to bring that to your attention. No, because I was pissed off at her. And it's like, okay, I can only take my sparking joy thing so far because she pissed me off and I was angry at her. And I had no desire to make her feel better. And it probably would have been really smart of me to do that. It actually, 
I should have dug deep and I should have said something really nice to her. I couldn't have said it about the dog because that was what was irritating me so much. But I could have said something nice to her, but I didn't. And I had no desire to do that. It didn't even occur to me. Yeah. Well, you have to be feeling it or in the mood for it. And she was not sparking joy for you. So it wasn't going to help at that point. No, I could have turned around and said something nice to someone else, you know, like the lady who gave up her seat. Like that was a very nice thing of you to give up the seat. Yes. But you wouldn't have had to stop it there. You couldn't have continued. And now I have to sit next to this dog and lady, yeah. you know, just, just leave it at the yeah. first part. Sometimes, it was nice of you to give up your seat. And sometimes it's just better not to say anything at all. Yes. I think that's what Thumper's mom said. That's right. Okay. Well, I think we're probably getting pretty close to that time that we should be wrapping up this week's episode. I think you're right. I think we are at the end of our hour. Okay, well, I am going to implement some of these techniques in the next week, and then I'll be on the other side of this. The season will have passed, and it's on to new and brighter things. I love it. Or actually just settling back into a routine, which I love, which is being in Arizona. Yes. Isn't that great? I can't wait to have you back. I know, and I get to see you in just a couple weeks, maybe even sooner if you come to Vegas. I know. We'll have to see if that works. That would be fun. It would. My sister would be a gambling partner for you. Which would be even more fun. I would love it. We'll have to chat. Yeah. So I guess with all that shared, I am just going to say cheers. Cheers. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast, Orange Juice Optional. What many of you wouldn't know is that this podcast has been a shared vision of ours for many years. And knowing what we know now... I can't believe we've waited so long to make our vision a reality. Right? I really think the hesitation on our part came from all the unknowns of podcasting. The biggest unknown being the toughest one. Where do we begin? That's when we found Podigy and Riley. And you know, if we had Godson music, I'd cue it right now. Riley is a know-everything-about-podcasting kind of guy. And the best part for us was that he was so nice and down-to-earth about everything. And by everything, I mean he answered so many questions, he gave so much reassurance, and he offered advice on things we hadn't even considered. Initially, Podigy helped us choose our recording equipment, find our music, create our artwork, and set up our templates for recording. And seriously, how many Zoom calls did setting up the templates take? Probably too many to count, because we are a technology challenge. But the best part of each one of those calls was the reassuring voice on the other end. I love that about Podigy. Now that our podcast setup is complete and things are running a bit smoother, knock on wood, Podigy is going to edit each upcoming episode, do our show notes, and get our show out there for the listeners. Their help takes so much off our plate that all we really need to worry about is our friendship, next week's topic, and if it's an orange juice needed kind of day. So if you're interested in podcasting, please don't let the unknown stop you. Please check out Riley at Podigy.co. That's P-O-D. I-G-Y C-O. They have packages available based on each show's individual needs. Thanks again, Prodigy. Our next host is for you. Cheers. 